We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to a pre-recorded show of the TF Weekly Football Show. Um, we're all busy this Friday, so we've had to record um, a bit earlier this week. But uh, we thought we wouldn't leave you without a show, so uh, we've we've got our heads together this Thursday night and now uh, pre-recorded for you. So I'm joined by Dodzy and Mickey. Hello, Ben. Hello, listeners. Um, so we'll start off just talking about uh, the Liverpool game. Um, obviously, Dodds, you missed the podcast on Monday. Do you want to kick off? What did you think about the results and uh, the performance? Yeah, well, um, as Margaret Shearer once famously says on this radio show, my beloved Newcastle United finally uh, turned up for once this season at St James's Park. Uh, quickly, how many how many names does this show have? I call it the True Faith Radio Show. You call it the, fo- the Football Show. Sometimes we just call it the TF. Like. Radio show as well. I don't know. I've never heard anybody call it the football show. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it the football show. <laughs> they, they did just call it the football show. It's it's just I a hybrid dog. It just it it just t- turns into whatever it wants to be for all the football masses out there. It's a little bit for some something there for everyone. I'm rightly um, so. Sorry? And rightly so. Oh, yeah, I'm rightly so. Um, and I wrote kind of this week on the preview that I was just... Uh, like, forget about the game, forget about the result. It was just nice to have, like, all four sides of the ground singing. We only get it, like, twice a season if we're lucky. Obviously, we're in the corner kind of constantly singing, uh, getting behind the team, but it was nice for the rest of the, the, rest of the stadium to join in. And it's just kind of one of those uh, hairs on the back of your neck situations where... Um, you know, where you're like, yeah, this is loud, this is an atmosphere, it'll sound absolutely class on TV, so, which is class, it, it does not, it doesn't prove anything about McLaren and Newcastle, unfortunately, um, apart from that, you know, when, this, when the pressure, it's not the pressure's off, because the pressure was very much on, but 
uh, I think players who played very well, like Anita, are, are good, where they don't have to do any thinking or make any decisions when they don't get time and space on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we play Villa at home, it'll be interesting to see how the likes of Bernard Anita, who was very good in this game, how he plays because, um, you know, I'm, I'm still, absolutely no doubt that I will try and set up to play some kind of attacking possession based game, which is ultimately what McLaren has publicly said he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just to come on your point there, you can tell Anita when it's just sort of instinctive play, as you said. There's a couple of little bits where he was quickly closed down on the ball and there was one where he played a little ball through two players that was quite nice and there was another one where he completely panicked and just chipped the ball to nobody in the far corner. But he seemed to, he seemed to sort of, he, he didn't, as you said, when he didn't have to make a decision about anything, he, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable. And as you say, against... Villa where he'll be required to, to take his time on the ball and, and pick the right pass and things like that, that's where the pressure comes on but as you say you can't really criticise him, I thought he was really good um, Mickey, you got anything else to add? The thing, the thing that confuses me about Anita is what, like, what is he what's, what's his role, we bought him I'm sure we bought him as like a playmaking midfielder, he can't really tackle, he can't head he can't pass when he's got time uh-huh. like, what what purposes there have been I know you had a good game against Liverpool and it sounds a bit ridiculous to say it now but like what is, what is he? I think you're a little bit harsh on there like he he he, 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 he like you're right he can't do a lot of those things I wouldn't say can't do them I'd say can't do them well like he can't like I can't head a ball <laughs> Vernon can't um, I, I think he was bought with the idea that like Pomachu was kind of well not Pomachu or Graham Carr whoever bought him was going to build this kind of attacking football-based dynasty and he was going to be... Now, I don't think he was ever bought as a first-choice but you know, at the time it was there, Teode, who was good, and Kabai, who was excellent. I don't think he was like bought necessarily as a first-choice first midfielder. Or, um, sorry, I'm playing FIFA online now. It's made small. Professional, as I would You've got me full attention. Um, yeah, he was bought kind of as a, a player to play in a five-man midfield, which he's very good at, away from home. Um, and... You know, who, who could help maintain possession. And the, the, the thing that he's good at, Mickey, is especially when the game's tight, he's always there. He's always providing an option for a player. He's always supporting the midfield. It's not, he's not one of these players who, I don't want to criticise him because I thought he was brilliant, um, Sissogo. But, you know, if Sissogo goes on a run or, or does something, he kind of is out of the game for two minutes while he just kind of ambles back, knackered. Whereas Anita, whatever the situation, particularly in the middle of the pitch, he's always there supporting a teammate or a colleague. He always wants to be involved in the play and provide an option. That's me. Even when we don't want him there uh, to be part of the play. <laughs> He's always there. What, what he is good at is the likes of Swansea and West Ham away this season. He's standing in front of the back four, like in front of a central defender, massively in the way, not doing anything. <laughs> just, just, just getting in the way of our players, not theirs, unfortunately. But there you yeah. go. Nice, no, that's, that's very good. Um, so, I feel a bit guilty about that because he was excellent against Liverpool. Well, go on, they give, 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 him, give, him, give him some credit. Yeah, well, that takes his total number of good games in Newcastle. So he doubles it from one or two, so progress. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's fair enough. So what do, you, what do you think for going forward now then? Obviously looking forward to, to Spurs this weekend. How do you think that I'll translate... Well, we're only a couple of minutes into the show, Ben. It's alright if I just have a bit more say about that Liverpool game. And yeah, good for it. I've put a new match preview for Spurs this week. That's like the minimum that we need to see at Spurs 
is, is a repeat of that effort. And I know you guys said quite rightly on the podcast, on oh, might have been you, Ben, on Monday that we're actually outrun Liverpool from that. I think Liverpool and Klopp, are, you know, were the, were the first team to outrun them um, in a game under Klopp this season in the Premier League or, or any game possibly. So that, that's positive and you, and you think, well, why why is it taking so long for it? Apart from maybe against uh, Chelsea to put that kind of graft in and why didn't we put that kind of graft in against Leicester who we should absolutely no respect to. When it comes to Villa at home, um, what, next Saturday, big game, it's Mickey's birthday. For those listening, if you want to send them a card or I'll start wishing them a birthday on Twitter. Um, when it comes to that game, I think team selection could be really interesting one because TLA is supposed to be back, um, Aaron's is supposed to be back, and you think, you know, if, 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 if Newcastle are only capable of winning games through counter-attack and football, even at home, like we were in the Pardew last year, it could it could lead to a really, really dire game. I mean, could you imagine Villa, Villa can, only play, can only play, even at home, counter-attack and football. I can just imagine both teams doing each half of the pitch, like looking at each other, no one actually bringing the ball forward. <laughs> Just, just, just trying yeah, to, just trying to goad them into coming into your half. Yeah, but my overall point is, he's gone back to this four. Always going to be, he's gone back to this four-two-three-one formation that just did, doesn't work. It didn't work against um, Palace, definitely. The game went back to it, and now he's gone back to it um, against uh, Liverpool, and it did work. Obviously, we're playing a different type of game. I am terrified of a Watford or Sheffield Wednesday type performance at home against Villa, mm-hmm. where we'll try and maintain possession and just start dropping off from the keeper again, which no one wants to see, and we'll play the same ridiculous formation that didn't work for Pardew, didn't work for Carlos, certainly didn't work for McLaren in the days of the season. And then, um, you know, we're basically screwed because of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that it's, it's, it is a worry, isn't it? Because you, you think, can that team... When when they've been at when they've basically had the opportunity to to take it to a team and attack, they've not really been able to do it. The best football has been when we've been under pressure and sort of we're back against the wall and we've played counter attack football. I mean, it, it, even Norwich ridiculously ridiculously played a ludicrous attacking game against us. Yeah, and, and allowed it, to play like counter attack. Exactly, we we just can't think after Villa are going to be. As- Nah, I mean, we're, as as you say, we're, we're picked off Norwich really. Um, just who we're very gung ho, um, and obviously work work the truth for. But as you say, I mean, it's probably not the best example really because I thought we played quite well. But obviously against the Macrams, when we had to take the, the game to them, um, we couldn't really break through them. We, we didn't really create a, a, a proper goal scoring opportunity, and then obviously a stupid. Foul um, at the other end, and they were back in it, and it was just more alarming that we couldn't break a team down um, unless they they come out. But I mean, to be fair, we're not the only ones. I mean, the Sutherland have played a few games this season where they've just parked the bus and and the full uh, twenty two man squad behind the ball, and and teams haven't got through them. But it's just that we, we lack that penetration through through teams when they they, they do sit in. But you do, know, do you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's Dos, that. Dos County, Dos County could have turned up that day. <laughs> but I, I, I take your your overall point. I yeah. know what you mean, and it's like you're right. Well, there's absolutely no guile apart from maybe CMD on. Obviously, that's a, a different question. But mm-hmm. there's no guile in that uh, yeah. in that squad. What, what do you guys think of um, Ayose Perez? By the way, at the moment, I thought he looked he looked 
like a lost boy when he came on at the weekend. Yeah, um, I, I think his performances since Norwich really have been very, very poor. Very poor. Uh, he's playing out of position now in a poor side. Well, well, if he's been played alongside or behind the striker, I thought that I thought that's supposed to be his position. Well, no, I would play. I would play him as a striker. Yeah, he didn't play as a striker when he came on. He played as. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, when he came on, he was, he was ludicrously played on the left by McLaren. But the other games, I just, I just think you know, against uh, Leicester, against Palace, he's been really poor. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Oh, I just he doesn't really attract any criticism. No, that's true. Uh, I think he, there's a bit of a, a sort of cloud around Perez where he's not. He doesn't get any criticism when the team plays badly. In my opinion, though, to completely contradict myself, he didn't really deserve that much criticism against Leicester because we did absolutely nothing with the ball in the middle of the park and it basically never went forward. I don't know what chance what we expect him to do, but he's not, he's not messy. He's not going to take from the halfway line and score. Yeah. Now, just to come out in on that as well, I think, yeah, I mean, he... <laughs> He's a he's a bit like a lot of our attacking players that go missing in games where we're not we're not really getting up and supporting them. So I think I mean obviously McLaren dropped him for this game. You might be reading something there, Dodsy, about McLaren's thoughts. But um, personally, I, I don't think you can really single him out to, for criticism. I think him, Mitrovic, Sissoko, and Yaldum as a four all deserve the sort of the same amount of of abuse or whatever because at the end of the day. At, they're pretty much given free license to when they're going forward to um, to sort of get in positions and and make something happen. And obviously, there's a few games a season where they've they've really struggled. Um, what I would say, I suppose, though, is as you say, he's not as versatile. I think as we probably thought. Um, I mean, he struggles when he goes out wide, and it's, it's not his fault that he's out there. But the type of player he is, he's a good dribbler on the ball. It shouldn't it shouldn't sort of impact his performances that much. Um, I mean, you look at Wijnaldum, who's not really a wide player, but he's he's doing a, a solid job out, out in that role. Probably likewise with Sissoko. Um, so you, you would hope Perez would be able to make a bit more of a, uh, an impact, but he, he doesn't. And um, obviously, he, the, I think they just felt he's obviously a bit more lightweight as well. So against Liverpool, where you need it to be be tough and get stuck into them, De Jong's a bit more of a powerful presence. So he probably got the nod on that that mark, just because I think Perez is a bit a bit light and, and as I say it's you, you needed fighters in that team but going forward it'll be interesting to see if he does stick with De Jong if he can stay fit because I think he he put in the, the best performance out of all, a lot of them on um, Sunday um, I thought he was brilliant and uh, it was probably a bit unlucky to come off when he did uh, and it, I, I think he's got to be the, the one to play in that number 10 role going forward anyway uh, and it's it's going to be tricky for for, for Perez to, to get get back in unless De Jong obviously becomes a bit ineffectual. Yeah. But well, well, it's going to be tricky from until the next time De Jong gets injured. <laughs> next week. Yeah. Maybe to, can I just I need, I need to have a moment with you. I know I didn't get it on that Monday. Um, so so good. Are you going to admit he was absolutely superb against Liverpool? Best player on the pitch. I don't think he's the best player on the pitch. He was excellent though. Oh, I think there's a difference between the teams. Um, so in terms just going back to the defence then Dodsey obviously we've got a clean sheet how did you think they they performed was it much better performance or was it just that Liverpool 
were a bit ineffectual and, and played into the hands. Oh, Liverpool were, were diabolical consistent. You know, we all sat, sat and watched, uh, or we all watched at least, um, the game at Chelsea, the game at Man City, the Southampton game, and we were expecting that Liverpool to turn up. What we got was like Liverpool uh, basically under dog leash. They were so bad, like, you know, they were just, they were clueless, they were hitting Benteke's chest when he's not, like, he's a big lad and he can handle himself in the air. But he's like, you know, he's, he's actually quite good on the ground. He's a decent footballer as well. And Liverpool just played into our hands. We wanted to sit uh, in the back third of the pitch and basically, you know, repel balls coming after the centre backs. Not people running at the centre backs, balls in the air, and we managed to to do that. I think what's interesting though is Newcastle have conceded 30 league goals in what 15 games. Mm-hmm. So and we've got three clean sheets. Four clean, about three. We've got clean sheets again. Liverpool stuck. Man United, Man United is, is that it? In Liverpool, Liverpool still got Man United three clean sheets. Yeah, um, Man doesn't count because they can't score. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a myth, Mickey. The race top scorers in the league. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so that's basically twelve games. We've considered thirty goals, which is getting on for, for just under what your maths isn't great. Like, but. Uh, yeah. Two and a half, three goals a game, isn't it? Um, if you look at Spurs, Spurs on ex-opponents have conceded 12 goals in the league in total, less than a goal a game. <laughs> so, like, I know, I know what you're saying, Ben, and, and a clean sheet's good, but I don't see any difference between the Palace performance defensively and that performance because, I mean, again, you know, we didn't really criticise them enough at the time, and it was, you know, after Leicester, it was all about we're going to come out firing and we're going to do it. The, the setup against Palace was a farce. We should have set up like someone did, like a disgrace. We should have just sat there, not attacked, not had any ambition. And when in that game, played four two three one, wide open yet again. So, really, you can look at the defence and say, against the likes of Man United, against Stoke at home, who are, who are, you know, despite everyone having a little bit of a uh, celebration of Stoke, Stoke like ninth, it's basically where they should be. Mm-hmm. People talk about not Mark Hughes not getting the credit he deserves when he's ninth in the league. That's kind of Mark Hughes's level. But, um, I'm not sure, basically, to answer your question, uh, let's see how it goes at the weekend because we can't, we're, we're going to just sit deep, we're going to play the same, but playing away from home, it's a bit more difficult than at home. Uh, so let's see how the, the, the defend this weekend and then let's see how the defender against Villa before kind of uh, uh, proclaiming any defensive improvements. So you wouldn't be making any chal- uh, any changes? Oh, well, obviously, I, w- I wouldn't have balls on the back wall. <laughs> sorry, not the back wall, I'm sorry, the left back, but uh, you'll keep this place. He was superb second half, especially. Uh, Either Lamella or um, that son. Yeah, they, 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 you know they, they've got to be thinking themselves. Someone's got to be sent to those bats, belly boots, <laughs> belly boots, bats, all the rest. And then you've got obviously Walker flying, flying past them as well. So you'll have them two to contend with. Good luck, Paul. Well, but then Walker's got warm Musa to worry about as well. <laughs> so that might get him. <laughs> no, so just you what, sorry. Yeah, oh, he'll, be, he'll be the side. Yeah. He'll be Danny Rose's problem. Walk any then, walk any. 
who 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 won't be tugging the hugging the touchline. Anyway, yeah. so obviously we've we've come on to Spurs. Then, how are you seeing this going, uh, Mickey? Uh, well, I'm going. Uh, God knows why I'm going, but I'm going. I think we're going to get absolutely. Are you going to someone else pays for us? Well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going. Uh, <laughs> I've spoken to God. I think we're getting annihilated. They're, they're playing absolutely class at the minute. They're not going to make the same mistakes as Liverpool. They're at home. We've still got an, a disgracefully bad defence. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be three or four now. Well, I hope you thoroughly enjoy that, Mickey. You sound really pumped up and excited for it. Still time, Dagger. <laughs> so how how do you, how do you think it's going to go? Then where do you think the game would be won or lost? Me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm going to agree with Mickey. Uh, like I know this is such a cliche, right? But the performance is important. What we need to do is, and, and McLaren said the same today in the press conference uh, with the written press um, that, like, even if we get beat three 0 right, I just want to have a few shots and make Spurs really work for it. I think. Spurs obviously unbeaten since the opening day since Man United absolutely robbed a three points off them. <laughs> yeah. uh, far about the team and Kyle August got a comedy on goal. Um, but they, they do draw a lot of games. I think they've drawn eight games out of their 15. Yeah. Which is a lot of games. haven't actually won that many. What worries me about Spurs is the last time someone went to White Hart Lane and, and like proper tried to dig in like we're going to do it was West Ham and they beat them 4-1. <laughs> yeah. and it could have been and should have been a lot more than that and West Ham actually had them quite a few chances as well should have been about 7-2 or something like that but um, yeah it's, it's concerning that um, I think Spurs know how to beat first time like Newcastle yeah. I don't think that you know they're, they're like an Arsenal even, even though technically Arsenal pick up a lot of points against the, the poorer sides but they'll, they'll often labour the win I think Spurs know how to beat sides like Newcastle so all I want to see is a good performance with plenty of defensive running with plenty of organisation defensively and, and to make a game of it don't concede early play Play smart. Don't play stupid football like with the AM's Palace, where you concede two goals right after scoring. You know, it's like um, when Jack Button played at St James's with Stoke. He was time wasting from the first minute, and I think it was either Ben. I would say this was either you or Sice on next week. The match like he's time wasting already, thinking you know this is ridiculous. But that, that's what you do away from home to pick up points. Yeah. You frustrate the crowd. You get them pissed off. You get them on the referee's back. I just think we need we need to see a bit of professionalism compared to the two games before Liverpool. No, I completely agree. Um, in terms of sort of the, the team, would you make any changes or do you think just go the same as Liverpool? Well, apart from Dummett, um I would... Uh, the, problem with, the problem with CMD Young is he only looks like he has about 60 minutes in him, which is mental because like, I know he's had his pro- in, injury problems 
Not Please, not I, I, I didn't notice that at all. I didn't think he looked any more tired than anyone else on the pitch. Yeah, well, I, I thought um, from a perspective of when he was, you know, trade, he'd stop chasing down, he was bending over that kind of thing. I think he was knackered. I think to be oh, fair... Well, to be fair to them, though, I think they were all knackered, and as as you brought up at the start of the show, <laughs> would run more miles than Liverpool or kilometres. Sorry, so obviously it's gonna. You what? Hey. We don't know, but it it sounds more. There's more more kilometres than miles, and they they measure it in kilometres rather than miles, don't they? The stats, yeah, but but, but, right, okay. <laughs> but yeah, the the point is, is obviously they they put in a massive shift and. and while you're saying he might have been playing reserve games, it's not the same intensity as Premier League football, is it? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I think, maybe, I think you're right. I think it's possibly the pace of the game would take it all of you. But the point is, like, he's useless off the bench to Young. He's never done anything for Newcastle off the bench, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, when he's come on. But um, I worry about him playing because he's the kind of player, a bit like Perez, if we're going to play this 4 2 3 1 formation. Um, I'd rather see. You go for the balls. I mean, as you say there, the, there have been a number of games where he's, he's been non-existent, but he looked he looked more up for the fight on, on against on Sunday against Liverpool. Um, yeah. He was more willing to do the running and and chase men down, whereas I haven't really seen that from him before. Before that, yeah. I think he probably was getting frustrated in games, and and then he's realised he's he's going to have to put a graft in. Uh, and and I thought, even though he wasn't particularly getting on the end of things and holding things up particularly well. I mean, he did a couple of times, but a lot of the time it was more just putting them under pressure. And we got a couple of cheap throw-ins from Lovren and Skirtle just because they were under pressure and they didn't want to take any risks. And that's the sort of unheralded work that you need from from the front men, which I think Mitrovic was doing when he came in. Um, you could see he was he was up for it and he, he was really eager. And then I think slowly it's it's sort of it's fallen out his game just because again he's he's getting sick of doing all this running with no reward. Um, so yeah, I mean it'd be interesting if they did go with with their two two up top just just to keep them sort of honest, really. If anything, um, I mean Vertonghen and, and Alderweireld are brilliant on the ball and they're, they're two good defenders. Um, but you feel like if if uh, Mitrovic was playing, he'll cause them a lot of, lot of problems in the air and it'll give them a bit of a 
bit more of a fight. And obviously their, their two wing backs just fly forward. Um, so it'll be one of the keys to the game. I think it'll be sort of keep keeping them not not just having a free roll just to bomb on and become the extra men in midfield, but it'll be get getting the ball up to the the top men and holding it up to to keep them sort of from from outnumbering where at the other end of the pitch. But um, yeah, I mean it'll be an interesting one. I mean as you say, we've seen a number of games with this number ten role. Doesn't matter who they put in, whether it be Perez, Wijnaldum, or De Jong or whatever, it keeps going missing away from home just because. We haven't got enough of the ball. The the ball goes up to the front man, and, and they're not getting close enough to them because they're too worried about the defensive responsibilities. It's just a wasted wasted role, really. So I'd much rather him sack off that number ten and maybe play it a bit deeper, so it was a three in the midfield along the middle, or actually yeah. put put him up a, a, next to the the other striker because when they're in the hole, they're, they're they're useless if we haven't got the ball, and I can't see we're having much of it against their Spurs, but. Be be interesting to see uh, how it works out. Yeah, and like, like most games, I, I always think that this is so good. Absolutely, Newcastle can't win without them playing well. I'd say Bournemouth too. Mm. They won't play well at Bournemouth, and I just think it's another it's another big one for him to just kind of prove that you know. Let, let's let's say Musa do it. Who I'm a massive fan of. You know, I'd like to see him, see him do two games in a row. Yeah, two two assists against Liverpool. Fantastic. Um, even though you can say. Yeah. Um, and you probably think unless he does that, do that, we're probably not going to win anyway. Um, Maggie, what, what are your thoughts today, by the way, on, on Steve Harvey's part of that? Newcastle only play well because they're not, when they're on the TV. That's what he said. That's what you said, I. Um, <laughs> you know, the stats are kind of, uh, kind of is true. Um, I don't, I don't think there's really actual truth behind it. Like the players aren't. Although saying that, I mean, not I don't I don't particularly believe this, but playing devil's advocate, obviously it's a selling club. A few of them want away. The likes of Sissoko. Um, is it a coincidence that they, when everyone's watching, that's the games that they're, they're playing, they're playing up in? I don't think so. I think if, if teams like Arsenal, or Chelsea, or whoever maybe that are interested in Sissoko, they're not going to. Sign them on the basis of watching them on Super Sunday. They're going to them on the watching them in person. So if he's only doing it when he's on the telly, he's not going to get the transfer because the, the scout will say he's absolutely rubbish this week. The week before he's on the telly, what's that all about? You're talking rubbish, mate. We know they all sign them off Football Manager these days, anyway. <laughs> what, what what I find hilarious, and I can't believe no one said it, it's like all of the matches are on telly. You know, Ron Wild. <laughs> And he's not got much to. He's obviously not. He's, he's scraping the barrel there for a point to get on radio, isn't he? Yeah. Well, it was in the paper, but still, if you want to get him on. <laughs> Speaking of uh, scraping the barrel for points to uh, <laughs> get on radio with, shall we um, discuss Gary Monk? Yes. 
So Gary Monk's sacrifice one this week. Very um what's the right word? Very under underwhelming because everyone just knew it was coming, it was basically said it was public knowledge that he had the Bournemouth game and uh, Bournemouth at home at the Liverpool way and then at Leicester and uh, those two games were the ones he had to save his job and he didn't win any of them. So it was it, it came with no surprise and then but he actually lost his job because one win in 11 games or something. Um, you know, that, that is the kind of run in the Premier League on normal clubs who don't employ John Carver to actually sack their managers. So that's, you know, that's, that's not a surprise. Um, it's, what I want to talk about is A, did he do a good job? And B, the media reaction to it because there's been a lot of part, uh, uh, parts in the interview with the Times last week where he said English managers are treated as second class citizens and he's never been given the chances at, at a bigger club which he thinks he's warranted. Um, By the way, just to, to interject, you know, Pardew is the sixth most successful English manager in Premier League history. In terms of um, number win of games, win ratio. Mm-hmm. That's mental. I guess it's, it's, it's a disgustingly bad list, though. John Gregory <laughs> is fifth. <laughs> well, that, that's all you need to hear. Who else is in it? Top is Roy Evans. Second right. Bobby, third is Keegan, fourth um, was Fourth was uh, I think fourth, fourth might have been Frank Clark, actually. Nice Forest. Nice Forest in that game. Well he must have done well the season before he did. <laughs> <laughs> um that's funny. Uh, it just shows though the quali- like the quality of English managers. Could win the League Cup, Dogger. Sorry? You might win the League Cup. Has he got 
to a domestic cup final or semi-final. Did the, uh, like, like, Mike, like Michael Rosland did, did he um, take them into the top six? Did he change the, the running order? No, eighth place is a good, is a good finish. I'll, I'll just come back to that, Doug. He, he didn't do any of those things, you're right. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it's the point, not more the fact that he, he literally came out of nowhere. So he was what? Was he a youth coach beforehand, I think? Oh, so he was still playing, was he right? But do you know what I mean? He's, he wasn't. He wasn't getting picked. Yeah. He was, uh, well, I thought he. I thought he retired. So yeah, he's basically come straight into it in one of the one of the tougher jobs in terms of being in the Premier League. Um, yes, he was backed, and he's had a lot of investment. I think the likes of IU and Gomez all coming. Um, but do you not know think he deserves a bit of credit? The fact that he sort of he hit the ground running a little bit in terms of where he's come from to to sort of. Lead the team to a respectable finish last year and and all the rest of it. You're part of the really problem, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, so you know, like let me let me pick a manager for you. Um, let's say. Um, I'm, I'm not disagreeing I'm, with you, by the way. I'm just saying, Devil's Advocate is yeah. this? Is that? Do you not think that deserves credit? No, I don't because this is the thing. Like, I don't think foreign coaches get any credit for coming in and hitting the ground running. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of a manager who lasted about a season and lost his job, but I can't. I've mind's gone blank. I'm sure there's plenty of foreign managers who come that all right at first and had a bit of a mare. Like it happens. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it, this, it, the point is, Padre think yeah. English managers don't get the um, the due that the, you know the, the credit that they deserve. But then this is it. Pe- English managers want to give themselves credits, and people in the media want to give English managers credit for just being okay and just being average. And in the Premier League, with the money involved. Being okay and average will keep your job, but as soon as you go to a poor run, you, 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 you're done for, really. And it's like, you know, like you said, Ned, does he, does he deserve credit for, for hitting the ground running? No, mate, he gets paid a lot of money to, to be a good football manager for his team to be good and competitive. Yeah. And he's failed on that, that front. He hasn't always failed, but his first real challenge, you know, this is his first real challenge when he fails. And I think that's it's, it's part of the, the mindset of the English media and English managers, mm-hmm. which the clubs don't don't share. It's not all right to be average, and that's what mm-hmm. these these people like Pardew and Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes is an average manager, still so an average team. They're both better than Newcastle at the moment, but they're, they're average. There's nothing special about them. Mark Hughes took over a team that that was 13th. He's been there three seasons. I think he's finished like 10th, 9th, and 10th or something like that. That's and, and that's probably where they're going to finish again this season. <laughs> like, I just want to quickly say. Uh, on Mark Hughes, I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you about Monk. Totally agree with you about Monk. But on Hughes, I think a lot of the praise that's coming this way is, from, is turn, for turning them from the worst team to watch in Premier League history to a team that actually playing decent football. I, I think that more than the, the finishes ninth and tenth is is what he's getting praise for, at least from what I've heard. And I, I think I think he is due a bit of credit for that. And I I absolutely hate Mark Hughes. Play, you know, they, they play, they play 
perhaps more directly than they did before with the balls in behind and the pace they've got on the team. I wouldn't, I would not call what they play attractive football against Man City. Man City. I never said attractive. I said attacking. Well, right, fair enough. But I would, I would still say against <laughs> Man City, they scored their, three, their two goals, very early goals, which is again great, good for them. It's a great win. Um, but they just, they just, they just see the possession of Man City. Still, probably wish they won that game by more. But I, I don't know. The other point, I think I've kind of laboured this one a bit. Now, fair enough. Like you, you maybe have a point there. Um, but um, I think Gary Monk bought this on himself a little bit because he's one of the most arrogant football managers I've ever heard in my entire life. If we go back to the start of last season when Newcastle drew 2-2 with Swansea um, and came back from 2-0 down with Cissé grabbing a brace, he, he made a, a comment we talked about on the podcast saying that um, for Swansea, that game was too easy. It, was, it wasn't even a contest. Now, obviously... You know, like, say, Rafa Benitez this week against Malmo, who's a done 8-0. You, you come out as a manager, and, you know, experienced managers have got to do this, and you've got you just got to show a little bit of respect to the opposition. And you say, like, well, yeah, obviously it was an easy win for your side today. And then you just talk about your own side and what you did wrong and what you did right. And then you say, yeah, it was tough for Malmo. We played very well. When we play well, there's a lot of teams can't cope. I'm sure they'll learn from this. You know, you know what I mean? You never hear, even like someone with absolutely no class, like Mourinho, unless he's playing Arsenal, and he's you know a little bit um, arrogant and rude. I just found that was an amazing comment by Gary Monk to say that the game was too easy for Swansea City, and it's just like show. It probably was maybe, but show a little bit of class. And every time I hear him talk, or I've heard him talk, there seems to be that little undercurrent of snide arrogance from him. Mm. And uh, it, it's nice that the chickens have come home to roost. <laughs> he always looks like he's, he looks very sour. He looks like he's sucking on like yeah. a lemon, a lemon drop or something. Just. It, 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 also it, got that, just got look. that side part which starts at his left ear <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the look I'm tr- currently trying to go for Dogger so <laughs> no grief for it but now nah, I think I, I mean I, as I say I think your, your points are, are fair enough you make made some sensible points there um, I suppose the point I was getting at was more just I, I don't think Swansea when they hired <laughs> Gary Monk um, they would have been expecting him to to get the highest finish in the club's history, um, and obviously it was. I just, I'm sorry, I disagree with that. Like the resources they've given him. Um, yeah, but given given people resources doesn't. I mean, look at LVG. He's been given resources. <laughs> so right, do, so <laughs> don't don't give yeah, us that okay. Now nah, um, it's fair enough. So. Moving on, um, what else did you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I mean, lads, what do you think? Maybe you think like, do you think Gary Monk's been hardly treated? That's what I keep hearing. And do you think this is a sign of the times in the Premier League as Roberto Martin has called it? And everyone's lamenting it. Or if, if you if you were a fan and you won one in eleven games, which I think we we did this season, <laughs> you know, do you think it's fair enough from a fan perspective? Because it wasn't just the Swansea board; the, the fans have turned against Gary Monk. I think when it gets to that point, it's a it's a lost cause anyway, and the, the board has kind of reacts. I mean, our board is a shining example of not doing this at all. But the board yeah. kind of reacts when when the fans turn against the manager because it just makes a sour atmosphere at the club, and nobody nobody wants to play in that. Nobody wants to watch that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no positivity in the team. Um, I think the fans are, are quite justified. Really, it's it's a sad state of affairs that it's it's such a shallow game that it only takes you know quarter of the season for a manager to, to lose everything that he's done in the, in the past but 
the people that have argued that he, that he didn't deserve the fact based on what he's done in the past, I'm really looking at it through any, any sort of reality. He's, he's kept the team where it was and not really yeah. changed very much at all. So what he's done in the past doesn't justify giving him, like, letting them off, being absolutely terrible for the whole season with a good set of players as well. Um, he also lost the dressing room as well. Apparently, Andrew yeah. Williams, uh, what's he called? The the ball running centre mid. Shelby. Shelby. And, uh, and someone else, who I can't remember at all, they all turned against him. It was three of like, the most senior, influential players in the dressing room. And if that's, if that's the case, if you add that to a bad season and the fans are against you, you've got no hope at all. Yeah. yeah and I, I mean, I'm not going to. I'm sorry, I'm going to speculate about why he's uh, lost the dressing room, but. It doesn't surprise me from, from the kind of arrogance he shows a lot of postman in match interviews. He seems very sure of himself. And maybe just lacks that little bit of humility, which you, you expect to uh, kind of... Which you get a little bit more... Not all for, I know this is such a like stereotype, but like you just I just feel like the foreign managers who come to Premier League are a little bit more humble and, and, and have a little bit more class, obviously, the Renew side. Then, you know, the likes of Pardew, who is well-known and derided for being smug. Um, same with Mark Hughes and kind of got massive light trips on their shoulders and stuff like that. And I just think Gary Monk's another one. I hate this team with Newcastle. Hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think anybody... Look, anybody look at John Carver, the ridiculous mental things John Carver comes out with on a... You know, came out on a weekly basis last year. I don't think you'd get that from a foreign manager, but you know what I want. I mean, John Carver's latest crack earlier this week or the last week that um, he, he's being judged more harshly because he's a Jordan. Like, what? what? You're the one who would never stop going on about it, John. <laughs> you're the one who was saying every five minutes like I'm a Geordie so you're not but anyway who, who do you think will replace them apparently Rogers has already said like no chance yeah. rumour has it today that it's Avram Grant would be absolutely hilarious <laughs> not good to be Avram Grant <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard that as well That's, that is funny if they go with him that is hilarious <laughs> Avram what was your last position in the Premier League well I, I nearly won the league with Chelsea were you at West Ham no <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I'd, with just going back to Monk, um, obviously the way he handled sort of Ashley Williams after after the, the Wales uh, team qualifying, basically accusing him of, of sort of giving up, basically, and not 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 trying, not caring anything. You, you want to a, a, a loser straight away if you start questioning you, you store players um, sort of mindsets and things like that so obviously he struggled with that and as I say they've, they've had a lot of investment they've got a lot of good players in that team IU had a really good start I mean that Montero who absolutely tortured Ivanovic and basically started the collapse of Chelsea um, I've, I've not heard I'm a, well. you are sorry I'm Yamat yeah but I've literally I've not heard I've not heard the bloke I don't know if he's injured or he's if he's I've literally heard nothing about him like in the last few weeks and you think um you you sort of start players like if if they've basically just given up you you straight away you you're on the back burner and I think as you say when when they had these two games fair enough players can have bad games for you but when when you know the pressure's on in these last two games against um is it Bournemouth and Leicester yeah. Um, if the players aren't gonna sort of come out and and give you everything in those two games, you you're fighting a, a losing battle straight away. So I mean, someone like McLaren, we were talking about how close he was. That the players came out and, and he got a reaction and they've they put up put it put in a shift for him. So 
I think it just shows you the chalk and cheese there in terms of the, the players' mentality for the for the coach. The, there's a lot of positivity coming out of the camp. The likes of Wijnaldum sort of talking up McLaren and saying he's it's not his fault, he's doing a good job. You didn't hear anyone from Swansea coming out to, to defend Monk. So I think that speaks for itself, really. Um, so, is, sorry? It, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that anything to do with the player. For me, players shouldn't be coming out in the press and coming out in the position of the manager. That should be something that's completely internal. No, yeah, no. I'm sure they get asked, they? They get, get asked by someone. Uh, yeah, no. I, I agree. They're not. They're not going to come out. They're not going to come out and criticise him. But you would still expect them to publicly say, "Oh, yeah, no, we're 100% behind him." Like we're. We'll, we'll, we'll be digging in for him stuff like that you you expect positivity you've not heard any of that yeah I don't think it's I don't, it, for me it's not the first job to comment on the manager positive the, the moral of the story is don't bring this manager basically because they're <laughs> all idiots and not very good so speaking of idiots uh, that brings me to Bolton <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think <laughs> I'm, the one, I'm the one who wanted to talk about this because it's obviously it is, for, for, for a lot of Bolton fans, not like as many of them, um, the, it, it's really sad that any football clubs kind of, you know, to, to be to be with the one in that order and to risk losing your football club. I mean, put yourself in a situation, I mean, we hate Newcastle, but, you know, we're, we're kind of, we'd be lost without it. And, you know, there's, anyway, there's, there's a context of losing your football club, the thing which you devote your life to is horrible. going to say steady on Dugger <laughs> I got Newcastle fans and, and hate Newcastle at your, your peril. Uh, ridiculous football clubs of the 
Hallowed Newcastle. Sorry? Saying Hallowed Newcastle, obviously God's looking out yeah. spite all their enemies. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, oh, um, I just thought <laughs> I just thought um, it's just quite kind of like it's one of these clubs Bolton had everything, do you know what I mean? It was only 2010-11 that they finished 13th in the Premier League under Rowan Coyle and everything was fine and they had Daniel Sturridge and you just think like the likes of Wigan and some of the other smaller clubs are in the Premier League. Getting, getting in the Premier League at Bournemouth is fine. And it's fine how it only have an 11,000 fans. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to grow as a club. There has to be that passion for football in your area. In places like Wigan and Bolton, even Blackburn, I know they're a different kind of fish because they're, they're the badly rock club to win the Premier League and all this kind of stuff. But really, they're not, they're not Premier League clubs. Uh, and you either need to live within your means like Wigan did or you need to just, you know, go back down to the championship, rebuild and come up. You can't you can't cheat the league and you can't cheat other clubs. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know about you last, but I think I want to, I've seen the league sport five times at Bolton. All horrific games, horrific place to go, terrible away game. And the, the, those wins were built on stolen money, which they, can, which they now can't pay back, or it's gone into the money of agents and stuff, and they now can't pay tax or VAT, and that's, that, that's wrong. My, uh, I've had me five minutes on both of us. I agree with it to an extent, but it is, I mean, it's pretty harsh of you to, to base your opinion on the fan base. I know you said you didn't want to tarnish the whole fan base, but it sounds like you have, on the behaviour of, of a couple of people. Um, they, won't, they don't have that many fans, but there will, there will be some real fans, quite a few. Oh, there will be. Yeah. They will be absolutely devastated. And I'm sure there'll be loads of them that have said what you've said over the past five minutes, along over the years, and said we shouldn't be spending so much money because at some point we're going to run out. Yeah. I mean, anyone with any sort of financial sense knows that you can't keep spending more than you're earning forever. It's going to catch up with you at some point. And the, the massive amount of money that are involved in running the Premier League club, if you keep plowing that in without having it, you, you, you're screwed, and that's what's happened to them. And it's, I think it's a crying shame for the, for the fans of Bolton. It is. It is. But what's weird is, not weird, what's even more scary is that um, the owner of Bolton, some rich benefactor, who's just pulled the plug, is, is, is wiped off something like £70 million worth of loans. He's just wiped them, wiped them out. He's just said, no, don't need to pay us back to keep the run in the past. And they've still obviously persisted with this um, policy of, of high spending. I mean, they're going to get relegated if, if, if they stay alive. If they're winding up all over things, sort something out with a new owner who can sort something out with HMRC, they're going to get rid of their bottom of the championship. They're, they're not a good side. Um, obviously, the situation of the club probably doesn't help. But, you know, I mean, where, where the club go from here? But I'll tell you one thing, they're not they're certainly not bigger than Newcastle United. But like you say, um, you know, it, 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 no one wants to see any football club apart from Villa uh, go out of business. So, <laughs> I, it, I do feel really bad for, I'm sure, the majority of both fans. Said said so sincerely, Dogger. <laughs> you, you're pulling at the heartstrings, yeah. So um, I think that's pretty much uh, brought we to an end of the show. Um, we've only got five minutes left. Dogger, you got any notices you want to call out? Exactly, exactly. Uh, um, 
earlier this week, and then uh, I don't know over the we'll be here as usual over the Christmas and New Year. Um, obviously, me and you are, are in South Africa, Ben. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll do our best to keep it going. Um, and yeah, get in touch with us on Twitter at TFWeeklyPod. We'll try and talk to everybody. We really appreciate everyone who follows us. And, uh, I think the trendy word is engages. Uh, we <laughs> like you know we're just forty Castle fans who at the match, but we're, we're no one representative of any kind of fan base. Uh, one thing to do with you know with what what fans think. So the, the more feedback we get from people, especially when we talk about the match and players and stuff like that, it's uh, it's helpful to us and it helps us improve the shows. Um, obviously, if you listen to this, we're, we're sorry about Doggers missing mm-hmm. this week, which was a bit of a mess because uh, of. Well, I don't want to pin the blame anywhere, so we'll just leave it at that. But I'll be back next week with some better games. The blame, the blame is fully on you. Did did uh, well, anyone? I was just going to say, Dodgy, did you get any responses about the um, the listeners quiz uh, challenge? Yeah, yeah, a couple of people were just like, what is it? I can't think. I can't think what it is. <laughs> uh, I did get it after two guesses, I must admit. Even though the question was wrong. Was it? <laughs> I, still, I still got the answer. What's the answer? Wayne Bridge. No, no, you, you. To be fair, though, I only got it after you corrected the uh, the question. Yeah. But anyway, well, right. <laughs> the moral of this story is we'll be back on Monday. Right. Thanks for listening. Bridge anyway, so it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, it's that's his middle name, Mickey. Ah, uh, see. <sighs> right. We'll be back next week. Uh, listen up for the podcast. Um, and hopefully we'll be talking about McLaren's second game win in a row. Thank you for listening. Cheers for coming on, lads. Bye. Yes.